Hear the word of the Lord to us from Mark 11. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he, Jesus, was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Thanks. Good morning. Well, as many of you know... I grew up in Burns, Oregon. You're laughing. <laughs> Probably for lots of reasons, but <laughs> as you know, Burns has been in the news recently. I've watched with curiosity at the Malheur Wildlife Refuge situation, the occupation there, a place I've spent a lot of time. I know a number of the ranchers in that area. I worked for five summers for the federal government in that area. So I know a lot of the issues, a lot of the people. It's created quite an upheaval in the community. One of the key issues for the occupiers is who has authority? The occupiers are saying, you know, it's public lands, therefore it's ours, the individual. We have authority and we can take it and do with it what we want. The federal government is saying, no, we've been delegated the authority by the people, and therefore we have to govern it according to what we've been told. Who has authority, the government or us? Does the Constitution give authority to the government or to individuals in society? How do you determine that answer? That's part of the issue of the occupation, although, as we can see, the occupiers really don't have a lot of authority in how it's turning out. Authority can be defined as the power or right to give orders and or enforce obedience. That is authority over others, as in the government has authority to enforce the law. Or authority can be defined as official permission to do certain specific actions. As in, he was given authority to represent the company in the negotiations. The point is, we all are looking to some authority in our lives. An authority to orient our lives towards, an authority to tell us what is true, to tell us what to do and how to live our lives. Man cannot live without looking to some authority to make decisions, to make choices, to decide how to live. So the key question this morning as we gather today and look at this passage together, is who is your authority? 
Not who you say is your authority. Probably most all of us in this room would say, oh, God's my authority. But what do our choices really show is our authority? Who do we actually look to in the choices we make in our life? Who guides our life? It's important because how you answer that question will determine the choices you make in your life. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for this passage where Jesus reveals some things about our own hearts about the authorities in our lives. As we look together at this, Lord, may your spirit penetrate to the division of soul and spirit, to the very center of our being, that we might understand what drives us, what guides us, what our authority really is, so that we might move more fully to depending on you as our authority. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage begins with saying they came to Jerusalem again and he was walking in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. What's the setting? Let's describe what's going on. This is Tuesday of Passion Week. Jesus will be crucified in three days. Things are getting intense. (laughs) The opposition is heating up. Monday, the day before this day, he had walked into this same temple and overturned the tables, wreaked havoc, proclaimed judgment on the religious system of the day. The religious authorities are understandably upset. (laughs) You did this on our turf, Jesus. We're in charge of the temple. We're the authority. So they send a delegation from the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the ruling council of 71 elders consisting of the chief priests and others, Sadducees, Pharisees, the scribes. So there's a delegation sent. But notice, these are the top dogs that are sent. The chief priests show up. The scribes, who are the ones who are designated to be the interpreters of the word, the Torah. And so they come together this delegation to confront him and ask, hey, who gave you permission, Jesus, to do these things? Probably thinking specifically of overturning the tables and disrupting the whole temple system. Who gave you permission? Because we didn't. (laughs) And this is our jurisdiction. We have the power. We have the authority. The temple is where we rule. Jesus walking in there and overturning the temples was a little bit like taking a tour of the White House and walking in and taking a tour and and beginning to rearrange all the furniture. Someone would probably ask you, who gave you permission to do this? That's what Jesus did. Or it'd be like being in the Malheur Wildlife Refuge and moving in and beginning to take out fences and do different roads. People are asking, who gave you authority to do these things? In verse 28, they say this. They began saying to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you the authority to do these things? Notice two different questions, slightly different. They're saying, what's your position of power? Who who appointed you to some powerful position that you can make this kind of decision? Or who delegated authority to you? Under whose permission are you doing these things, Jesus? 
If he answered, well, for me, I'm God. (laughs) Well, he could be charged with blasphemy or at least ridiculed as a fool. If he said from God directly, he would be charged with blasphemy, which he was two days later. But he doesn't say those things because his time has not yet come. So his response is in the brilliance of Jesus, which he often does, he asks a question. He asks a question about John the Baptist's baptism. Interesting. I will ask you one question and you answer me. And then I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Answer me. So his question has to do not just with the ministry of John the Baptist, but with the baptism of John the Baptist. Now, why does he point to the baptism? I think a couple reasons. One is the people had gone out to hear from John the Baptist. And when they heard his message, they had been baptized for repentance of sin. And the crowds had gone out. Many of the people in Jerusalem had gone to him. And so they really believed him to be God. So the baptism was central in a sense that God was working through his ministry. But I think even more pointedly, Jesus points to the baptism because remember what happened when Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist? He stepped into the water and suddenly it said the heavens were parted and the crowd saw this. The heavens were parted. The Spirit of God descended as a dove. And it says, A voice from heaven came, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, could there be any more clear picture about Jesus receiving authority from God for what He's doing? I don't think so. And so Jesus points to that and He says, Yeah, the baptism of John, and in particular my baptism, (laughs) was that from heaven? Heaven split open. (laughs) Or do you think it was from man? Well, they're on the spot, right? But he says something very interesting when he says that. Was it from heaven or from man? I think this points very clearly that there's really only two options when you're looking for authority. You're either looking to God for your authority or you're looking to man. Those really are the only two options for authority in our lives, to tell us what's true and how to live our lives. There are no other options. And we struggle with this whole question of authority. Those of us who lived through the 60s, 1960s, you know, there were bumper stickers everywhere. Question authority. And then this whole question of authority and struggling with it. Who do we believe? Who do we trust? has changed over the last 60 years, you know, but it's gotten to where we don't trust our leaders, right? We struggle. There's a real mistrust of those in authority. So where where do we tend to look? If you just begin to ask yourself, where where in my own heart, where do I look for authority in my life? Where do people in our culture look? Let me just throw out some thoughts to you about where people look to for authority. Number one is tradition. That's the way it's always been done. Why would we change it? That's our authority. If tradition says it, that's what we do. Or family. I was raised this way. That's why my family did it. That must be the authority. And so we just kind of fall into having our family bear authority. Or broader cultural values. That's the way people do it in our culture. 
We, we in America love polls, right? We take these surveys and polls and, oh, that's what everybody believes. I guess I better believe that. <laughs> in our culture, we think Oprah is our authority. Whatever she says goes. The media, that's scary. But they're an authority for a lot of people. Wow, if they say it, it must be true. The church. Now, that may or may not be good, depending on if the church is really speaking what God says or not. And often it's more cultural than biblical. Experts and scholars, we look to them. If, if there's enough initials after their name, they must know what they're talking about. So that's my authority. Many of us will say, well, science is my authority because it's objective. See, it's not subjective like all these other things. Well, you know what science is, it's, it's people observing God's creation, but only seeing a little bit of it and then drawing conclusions out of it about how you should live your life and about morals and about all kinds of things. And you realize, if you really look at it, that science really is men making decisions and interpretations on what they observe, but ultimately you're still following men, right? Because it's their interpretation of what they are seeing. So science is not objective, it's unstable. And ultimately, when you look to science... As your authority, you end up following man, ultimately. Our culture today, because we're postmodern, we've moved beyond modernism, and our culture today is saying, well, the real authority of life is self. I determine my own reality. I determine my own authority. I am my own authority. Don't let anyone outside of you tell you what's right or wrong. That's what our culture is saying today to many. It's up to you to decide. The only way to be truly authentic as a human being is to be your own authority. Well, that may sound good, but there's a lot of problems with that. Maybe first and foremost is that it's an illusion. You cannot be your own authority. You will look to other people. And and, and let me just give you an illustration. Tim Keller, in a talk, I listened to him Help me understand it this way. He gave this example. Imagine a Norse warrior in 500 AD. And he says, I'm going to be my own authority. He looks inside and he says, wow, I see different things in me. And one of the things I see is a desire to break heads, to smash skulls. And at the same time, I look inside and I see this this same sex desire. Now, how's he going to decide what authority he's going to follow, which is going to be what he chooses to live out? His culture says, you know what? It's okay to be violent and smash heads. So that's who he's going to choose to follow. He will not follow the other. See, he's guided by culture, not by himself, ultimately. But if someone in our day and age had those two competing desires, I have a desire to smash heads or I have same-sex desire, our culture would say, Same-sex desire is okay. That's what our culture says. But smashing heads, going around doing that, probably isn't a good idea. So what's he going to choose? You see, it's based on culture, not on self. So ultimately, it all comes down to culture. Man ends up being our authority if you try to make self your authority. It ends up being other people around you and what the culture says. And then if you choose to live that way and you choose man as your authority, then what happens is you end up having to 
conform everybody to your idea, right? Because you may theoretically say everybody gets to choose their own morality, but just to justify your own choice, you want everybody else to conform to your choice. And that's why in our culture, more and more because of things like uh, same-sex relationships are okay in our culture. That's why they say, well, I'm choosing this for myself. And if you don't choose the same thing and affirm my choice, you are a hater. Wait a minute. I thought the idea was we each get to make our own choice. No, you have to conform to mine. See, that's what happens. It, it doesn't work. You can't make self your authority. It just simply will not work. So in contrast to all that, what is it like to make God your authority? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, what does it mean to say, uh, not my will, but yours be done, Father. I want to do what you say. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. But first, I want to look in the passage and just see what it says and shows us about what it's like when we choose to have men as our authority. Because here, Jesus is confronting the Jewish leaders who are supposed to be the ones who have God as their authority. And yet, they're a great example, or a poor example, depending on how you look at it, of what it means to look to man as your authority rather than to God. So what are some things that we see in this passage from these people who should have God as their authority but instead they're looking to man. Notice verse 31. They began reasoning among themselves, these Jewish leaders, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe him? Etc. First thing I want to say, the first downside of looking to manage your authority that we see here is that it's self-limiting. It's self-limiting. What do I mean by that? It says they dialogue, they discuss among themselves. If you're looking to man as your authority, then you're limited to what man thinks. You're just hearing from one another. And people are finite. They don't have the answers. We're, we're all in the same boat and we don't have a clear picture of reality. We don't see reality as it really is. It's like being lost in the woods and you don't know how to get out and you're in a group and you're discussing, we, I think that, I think that, but you don't really know unless you have an outside referent of some kind, unless you have a compass that tells you true north or it's night and you can see the north star or you have a GPS that tells you from outside yourself which way you need to go. My wife was hiking with some friends up in the hills near Bogus Basin and, and their plan was to go on a nine-mile hike. They got lost, ended up being about a 15-mile hike. And as they were on this wrong trail going up this wrong way, they ran into a mountain biker. And they said, yeah, I think we're lost. We don't know where we are. And he said, oh, I know exactly where you are. You have to go back down to this junction and turn right, and you'll get to where you want to be. Well, they said, great, thanks. They went down to the junction, and they were arguing yeah, but right just doesn't seem right. It's, I'm not sure, you know, can we trust this guy? What, do we go that way or this way? And I don't know, left seems right to me. And they were about to go left. And they looked down and saw a big arrow drawn in the dirt, pointed right. And it said, this way. <laughs> the guy knew they were going to struggle. 
but they got there. They needed an outside referent. They needed some guidance to get where they needed to go, and we do too. You see, it's self-limiting. It doesn't give you the answer if you try to find your authority from man. Secondly, to get authority from man leads you to a place of being untrusting. You become suspicious of outside authority because if you're looking to man and pretty soon he begins to fail you and no matter who you're looking to, tradition, family, culture, whatever, and you begin to feel like this isn't the answer, it's not working, you begin to develop this lack of trust in others and in leaders. That's what we see here in these Pharisees. They're questioning Jesus. They're questioning things. Well, if we say this, if we say that, I... Yeah, and they're just simply not trusting. God is standing right in front of them, and they're simply not trusting because they're so used to trying to find their authority from man. Third, what we see in verse 32 is that looking to manage your authority will always lead to fear. Notice what they say. But shall we say from men? They were afraid of the people. For everyone considered John to have been a real prophet. When you look to manage your authority, eventually you get afraid because how do I know I'm doing what's right and am I pleasing the right people? You become concerned about that. You give other people power over you because of that and you become afraid of what they... It's just self-defeating in so many ways. How many of you could remember back to junior high? I don't know about you, but junior high, were that was tough years for me. (laughs) And as, as it is for most of us because... You know, we're we're separating from our parents' authority and we're trying to find other authority. And what we tend to do is begin to look at our peers. And I just remember being so insecure and so afraid that somehow I was going to be rejected by my peers. And I think most of us fall into that in junior high because of that pressure. We're beginning to get our authority from men around us, from our peers, and it's terrifying. And we look back at that and we think, wow, I'm glad I'm not in junior high anymore. (laughs) But you know what? I think we're not a lot different. We still are looking at our peers and wondering what they think. We're just a little more sophisticated at it. And so we live by fear when we look to man as our authority. Fourth, when you look to man as your authority, it leads to ignorance. Verse 33, answering Jesus, they said, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know where it comes from, from God or from man. They think they're being open-minded, but they're not willing to listen to God who's right in front of them. Ray Steadman used to like to say, you can be so open-minded, your brains fall out. (laughs) Because man's so limited, trying to get your guidance from him means you're, you're just in the midst of the muck. You end up not knowing truth. You end up confused and ignorant, and it doesn't get you anywhere, and you end up just following the crowd. And if you decide, I'm not going to follow the crowd, you end up following a smaller crowd, but you're still following a crowd. You see, we're so finite. We're so limited in our perspective. We just don't see much. It's like that famous... Old Indian parable, it came from the Far East, but you've heard it before, about the blind man trying to describe an elephant. And the first one feels the trunk and says, oh, yeah, I know what an elephant's like. 
An elephant's like a branch. And another one feels the leg and says, no, 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 an elephant's like a pillar. Another feels the side and says, no, no, an elephant's like a wall. And then another grabs the tail and says, no, no, an elephant's like a rope. You see, only God sees the whole elephant. Only God sees the whole picture. And we've just become more and more foolish when we look to men, mankind, humans as our authority. Only he is worthy, a worthy authority for us to submit our lives, our hearts, our worship to. And then finally, you see this in the whole story, the downside of looking to manage your authority is you end up like the Pharisees in conflict. You're in conflict because we all see things differently from our own perspective, which will lead to conflict with others because we think this is right, but someone else thinks something else is right. And it never it just gets more and more confusing and more conflict. And we feel like we have to justify our choices by comparing ourselves to others. When we compare ourselves to others, then we get frustrated and afraid. And it just creates more and more conflict. We end up like the Pharisees when you choose to make man your authority. So we are, as believers, to find our authority in God, right? To make God our authority. But how do we do that? How do we truly live in a way that says, I'm not going to focus on what men tell me and what culture tells me, but I'm going to focus on what God tells me and learn to orient my life to that and let God guide me. How how do we get there? How do we get that? We had a discussion in our pastoral staff meeting this week that was very helpful to me as we talked about this. And I want to just highlight three steps to growing and having God as your authority more and more. Because to be honest, I think we're all a mixture. We maybe look to God some, but we need to look to him more. We need to have him be our authority in a deeper way. How do we do that? Number one, acknowledge God as your authority. Choose to have God as your authority. It really takes a choice of the will to say, God, I want you to be my authority, not my will, not his will or their will or the culture's will, but your will be done in my life. It means being willing to consciously submit to him as the one that we are willing to follow, to listen to, to obey, to believe, to serve. It begins with the choice. And part of that choice is saying, I'm going to begin to ignore the voices of culture and not listen to them so much. Uh, I appreciate the story at the end of Mark chapter 10, just a few verses back, where blind Bartimaeus is healed. And there he is by the side of the road and he hears that Jesus is coming and he starts yelling and he says, Jesus, have mercy on me, son of David. And verse 48 says, Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and healed him. Here's a guy that is willing to say, I'm not going to listen to what the crowd's telling me. I'm not going to follow what they're telling me to do, what is socially acceptable. I need to get to God. I need to get to Jesus. And you know what? When he did that, he was healed. His life was changed forever because he was willing to not listen to the crowd. We need to acknowledge 
God is our authority, as Jesus does here. He's not listening to the crowd or the leaders or whatever. He's listening to God. And because he does so, he's able to make the right choices. So number one, acknowledge God as your authority. We have to make that choice over and over again. Secondly, orient your life toward hearing God. Orient your life toward hearing God. We must be hearing from him to crowd out what the culture is telling us. We've got to begin to, to fill our minds with his thinking. We need to think Christianly about life. How do we do that? How do we orient our lives towards hearing God? Well, the simple answer is know the word. And I so appreciate all the ways in this church we help you know the word and you have opportunities to dig in. And, and, and that's true. But I know a lot of people who know the word really, really well. And their lives aren't oriented towards God at all. Some aren't even believers, but they know the word probably better than I do. You can know the word, but you can just use it to confirm your own biases. So how do we know the word in a way that will not do that, that will allow us to submit to him as our authority? Well, I think it's important that you study and interpret the word in community. When I study for a sermon, I I read a number of commentaries. I do my own work. I dig into the text. I spend a lot of time saying, Lord, what are you saying here? But then I read a lot of commentaries to make sure that my interpretation is guided by the community of the faith throughout history. And so I think it's, yeah, should you study the word on your own? Yeah, but I think you need to be in, bring it into community. In our growth groups, it's so good. You study the word together and you discuss it. If you're a growth group leader, I encourage you to go to the leaders meetings on Sunday mornings for service so that you can hear the interpretation and work it through in community. I appreciate our women's studies where you study the word in community and you talk it through to hear from God together. But secondly, to orient yourself to hearing God, you got to be in the word. Secondly, prayer. Prayer has to be major part of your life. You need to learn to hear from the Spirit and depend on His life. We, we need to learn to abide in Christ in a way where it's a reality, where His presence is real in our lives in a way that it isn't just a formal prayer, but it's the reality of I'm walking with Him all the time, where He is present in my life. You see, that is the kind of prayer that Paul's talking about when he says pray without ceasing, that you have a sense that God is with me and you're in conversation with him and listening to him and being with him more and more. So to hear from God, you've got to be in the word, but you've got to be, develop your prayer life. And then finally, you need to be in regular fellowship with other believers because Jesus dwells in the community of the faith. And we hear from him in community with one another. We have to be in community, in small groups, in places where others we're not just hanging out with other believers. That's not a bad thing. But we are helping each other think Christianly about all of life. Challenging one another's thinking. Helping each other think from God's perspective about all of life. So we acknowledge, how do we look to God as our authority? Three steps. Acknowledge God as your authority. Secondly, orient yourself to hearing God and then third, conform your actions to his will. This is the hard part, right? <laughs> it's the hard part. 
It doesn't do any good, though, if we know God's will and we know his word, if we don't choose to obey, if we don't learn to step out and radically obey contrary to our culture where our lives aren't conforming to the world, but they're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we're beginning to live differently. And this is a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge to me. I think about some truths like we know it's God's will for us to love our neighbor. But the question then becomes, so what choices are we making to actively care for others around us? at our own expense, to love others as we love ourselves, to put others in a position where we care for them just as much as we take care of ourselves. What choices are we actually making to do that? That's the question, right? If God's our authority. Or another one, we know God has a heart for the poor. That's throughout the scriptures over and over again. But we're not submitting to God as our authority if we're not finding ways to actively care for the poor. Somehow, some way, as God is moving in our hearts and leading us to. I could give many examples from our body where people are doing that. They're, they're making that choice. I think of my friend Mark, who's a retired teacher and administrator, and he spends hours every week at the refugee center teaching a job preparation class there. He doesn't get anything in return other than a confidence that God called him to it, and he's doing it. I think of Terry and Larry, a couple in our body who have terrible physical ailments, and they could just check out. That would be easy, but he oversees our Boise Rescue Mission outreach, and she oversees funeral meals, and yesterday we had a funeral here, and, and she got her team together and did a wonderful job providing for the reception afterwards, and she was hurting the whole time but they're choosing to say, not my will, but yours be done. A young person who is struggling to say, well, do I live for money or career? What, do I, what should I be living for? And is making that choice to say, God, I want to follow you. I want, I want you to be my authority. And therefore, I want to hear from you and do what you call me to do is a marvelous thing. It's a young person learning to say, Lord, I want you to be my authority. Well, as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he's really teaching the disciples, right? About how to get their authority from God. And if you look in the book of Acts, I love this because you know what? They got it. <laughs> they got it. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 18, Peter and John have been arrested. They're standing before these very same chief priests and leaders, the Sanhedrin. They're there standing before them. And it says in verse 18 of, of Acts chapter 4, And when they had summoned them, the Sanhedrin, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Well, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God... <laughs> You be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Well, they got out of jail, Peter and John. And then a little later, they arrest all the apostles. And now they're just 
it's getting shorter in what they're saying because over in chapter 5, verse 27, it says, When they brought them, they stood them before the council, all the apostles. The high priest, same one that was there questioning Jesus, high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. You see, they got it. They got it. There are really only two choices when it comes to authority in your life. And these two choices will always be in conflict. Do I listen to man? Do I follow man? Do I follow culture? Or do I truly learn to submit to God's authority? Jesus lays out the choice for us and then asks each one of us, who is your authority? Because who you truly are submitting to as your authority will determine how you live your life. May we live our lives saying not my will or their will or culture's will, but your will be done in me. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this story that speaks to the very center of our hearts about what we're depending on for guidance and for life. And we have to confess, Lord, that we we're a mixture. We too often are influenced much more by our culture than by you. But Lord, may we be people who learn to orient our lives around you. May you be the authority. May we learn to walk in obedience to you first and foremost. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.